Good morning, day or night, wherever you're on the world. Welcome to the Survive and Drive podcast. Today, we will be discussing the first half of the 2022 Formula One World Championship. My name is Alex. I'm joined by my co-host, Tyler, and we're your favorite tourists from American-based F1 conversation. Let's race into it. So, Alex, what are your thoughts on the first half of the season? I thought it was a, I thought it was an exciting first half of the season. I think... We kind of saw a good bit of back and forth there at the beginning, at least, between you know Ferrari starting out strong and then Max and Red Bull kind of coming on strong the rest. And obviously, in terms of the championship, it's been kind of slow the past, I'd say, five or six races. But we're seeing a pickup from Lewis and George and Mercedes and them kind of get involved in the fight for P2. So that's definitely been exciting. Yeah, I think you know we, we started the podcast a little bit after the season started, and there's something to be said about the new generation of cars and uh, the racing that we've seen from that. And I think we're looking upwards and a lot of close racing. Maybe the, the championships aren't as close, but uh, there's a difference between championships and, you know, week in, week out racing, close racing and, and good races. Yeah, I think you're seeing a lot of good battles between the midfield this year more so than last year. I think last year we saw, you know, it was awesome to see we saw that Max Lewis fight all season. And that kind of kept you entertained every race, but we really didn't get to see much from the rest of the field. Yeah. Um, and there really was a clear separation between the top two teams and everybody else last year. But I think this year we've seen a lot more of the teams from, you know, that are in sixth, seventh, eighth, be able to make those strides and challenge the McLarens and Alpines that are kind of battling for the best of the rest and seeing a few surprise races. And I think just overall the fighting in the midfield and like, you know, seeing more of it on TV and like seeing more of that action beyond just the people up front has been good to see. You know, another question to pose is we have enjoyed the races. There have been good races, but there hasn't been as many, you know, wild races or uh, not necessarily wild races, but we've only had winners from the from the top two teams this season. And it's something that we're maybe missing out on this year is a, a winner from, you know, the midfield popping one up in, uh, in first or even on the podium now. We've only had, you know, top three teams on the podium. So, uh kind of a difference there between you know good races and interesting finishes yeah and I think the kind of the biggest difference like you're touching on compared to last year is you know we had races like Hungary last year where Ocon won and then we had like Sochi last year where you had Lando battling at the front and there was just more chaos in general and more crashes you know we had the crash at Silverstone last year the crash at, at Monza and there was just a lot more I think dramatic races where kind of wild things happen yeah um, which we're not getting as much of which is kind of disappointing but overall I think seeing the teams battle in the midfield and like seeing uh, a lot closer racing I think the cars just in general can fall better this year mm-hmm. uh, you don't get stuck on these DRS trains as much anymore because yeah they're able to fall closely and make moves and stuff whereas in year past if you had four cars in a row like they would just stay in that order for lap after lap after lap. Yeah, and differences in tire have played a, a little bit of part too, you know, a little more durability. Um, but we've still had a lot of two-stop races that turn into two-stop races when we're not necessarily expecting it. And um, I think Heidegg has been uh, kind of a theme throughout this season. Yeah, I, def- well. I definitely think the tires have been worse than they thought they were going to be, if that makes sense. So I feel like we they came in, and I know they talked about it a bunch at the beginning of the season, like, a lot of these races should be one stops now. Like we built these tires better. But I think we saw, you know, in Austria as a prime example of it, typically a race that would be one stop. It was two stop for everybody, if not three stop for some people. So I think, you know, that's been one of the challenges that these teams have had to adapt to in the first half. And we've definitely seen like 
a lot of different strategies. And even in Hungary, too, where we saw, you know, the Alpines go on the one stop and the hard tire be so bad. Yeah. Versus the other teams doing the two stop. So Yeah, we've also seen a lot of green tracks this year and uh, kind of throws a difference in it. I don't know if I would say worse than they were expecting uh, for durability. I think maybe the, just the tracks have been more high dig than, yeah, than expected. Yeah. But definitely an interesting, you know, difference from last year. And I think a good one. I, I like a good tire strategy battle. And I think we've seen uh, the difference between the top couple teams be a result of uh, some strategy and decision-making on that front. So maybe we start off doing a, a recap of how we think each team's season has gone. We'll go uh, last to first and start off with Williams. You want to start with some of your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I think for Williams, having a new driver coming this year and losing George, obviously was a big loss. Uh, he was kind of a staple in that team and always had great qualifying performances and got the most out of the car, I think, usually. Uh, so bringing Albon back, I think everyone was excited to see him back in F1 and back in a team. But um, I think overall, given that they have clearly the worst car in the grid and have had the worst car the entire season, um, for Albon to even have scored three points is pretty impressive because they're usually qualifying 19th and 20th. Yeah. Um, so I think he's been great all year. Obviously, you guys know, listening to the podcast, we're not big Latifi guys. Yeah. Um, he's definitely struggled this year. I think he's regressed, you could argue, even more. Other than that one performance he had at Silverstone, put it in Q3, he's been even worse this year than last year. So um, I would say overall, I think, you know, right at expectations for Williams for me for the year. Yeah. Uh, coming in based on what I heard about their car and how bad it was, like I didn't expect any points at all. So Albon getting three, I guess, is a bonus, but yeah. right where I thought they'd be. Yeah, I think that's fair. A lot of change in the team and, you know, coming with new owners for their first full season, I think had a little bit higher hopes, but I guess, you know, not working with uh, kind of the caliber of talent that we've seen with a lot of the other teams. And it has been interesting without George there as kind of this outstanding, outperforming the car every weekend. Uh, where Latifi kind of got overshadowed but not really talked about. And now, you know, Albin is outperforming the car every other weekend, it seems. And, and Latifi is still managing to really show his lack of talent and lack of ability to, you know, perform with Albin. So interesting to see where they'll go next year. Both of us are obviously on the probably not Latifi, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, as far as Aston Martin goes, I think... You know, personally, I was expecting a little more. They, they've they had really good flashes when they brought in that, that package upgrade. They looked like they were going to really take a turn for the better, but uh, nothing's really working out for them. No, they've had, I would say, arguably the worst qualifying team of the season. Um, I'm not going to count Williams in that because I would expect them to be last, but in terms of expectations, I feel like we hear a lot of weeks like, oh, they made this upgrade this week. They made whatever changed their car like they should be stronger, mm-hmm. and they just continue to disappoint in qualifying uh in terms of race i think they've kind of been all over the all over the place like they've had some races where it's been pretty solid and they've made good progress um i know vettel's had a couple surprise top tens and point finishes mm-hmm. which has been good to see uh strolls definitely struggled this year but um i think that was to be expected i don't again i think both of us kind of the same page with him where he's just there because of his dad at this point i don't know how how strong of a driver he actually is because he just continues to kind of not make any progress but I think in terms of the team, definitely disappointing overall. I think they had higher expectations coming in. Um, being the second year under the influence and having all the money that, you know, Lawrence Stroll brings into the team, I think they thought they would have been at a higher place. And, you know, they had that P2 last year in Baku and had a couple of strong performances and I think had higher expectations to be kind of battling towards the front of that midfield this year, but definitely have not been there. Yeah, I was talking to somebody recently or, or 
maybe listening to something and the question of Lance Stroll's motivation came up and how do you go into a race weekend, put your life on the line and go all out when you have no real motivation to put in performances? Obviously it's, you know, personal driven. You want to be successful in what you're doing, but he has a seat locked up. He's going to stay there. You know, he, he doesn't have that, uh, kind of cloud hanging over him for trying to find a drive and trying to prove his worth because he's just kind of there owns the team you know he's going to be at the team and I guess just continues to show up and put in mid-tier performances week after week yeah definitely I, I agree with that I think it's the that, that would be my guess as to why maybe he's not putting in those performances is because he always knows in the back of the head hey as long as my dad basically owns this team yeah. like I'm gonna have a seat there's no pressure um, so I think it'll be interesting to see kind of the dynamic um, of how the, like, the rest of the season goes with Vettel, knowing that he's retiring and then maybe going into next year, knowing that you know Alonso is going to be in that seat, but how that dynamic is different between the two. Because I never really heard of there being like internal strife between him and Vettel or any problems, but no, yeah. we know Alonso definitely, especially this year with Alpine, is, they've had their issues with, between the drivers. So mm-hmm. I think that'll be interesting to see going forward. But I think overall, like, the expectations and I know within the team of things I've heard is that like they expect to be fighting to the front in a couple of years, just based on the money they have. And I mean, they have unlimited resources, right? When you have a billionaire owner, you have unlimited resources. So in the new facilities that they have, I think they have a, a ton of potential and uh, hopefully Alonzo will be able to capture some of that. And hopefully, you know, maybe stroll fr- fighting with the ability to fight up front. will uh, have more successful weekends, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's move into Alpha Tori then. For me, I think this is probably, I think you could argue maybe the dis- most disappointing team of the season. I think going in, especially last year, I think they had a pretty solid car last year. Um, we saw Gasly constantly putting in, like I've talked about before, putting it P4, B5 and qualifying. Yeah. And I think you could argue last year that they maybe had the fifth best car behind, you know, Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari, and McLaren. Um, and I think they even thought themselves they could be pushing to fight for kind of the best of the rest this year. Yeah. Been a total disappointment. It has, yeah. They've just been bad in qualifying, bad in the race. They've had a lot of rideability issues. Um, you know, overall, like, I think Gasly's gotten something out of it at least, but it's definitely not as good of a car as last year because we're just not seeing him make it into Q3. And I don't think it's like a regression in driving. I don't see why someone would regress that much in terms of driving ability in a year no um but i think the the problem with alpha tori this year has been mostly the car but yeah. i think we also didn't see and i know i think you share similar thoughts like significant progress from sonoda this year yeah um i think we saw a promising end to last year especially with that p4 in abu dhabi um obviously kind of a, a wild ending and stuff but i think him coming into this year i think people had higher hopes for him to kind of match ghastly and both be in the points and they haven't had the car to do it but at the same time, he's been way off and a lot of times finishing last. Yeah, to that point, I think it, it is kind of difficult to tell where Sonoda ranks. I think, obviously, in comparing him to Gasly, it's obviously not even, you know, a lot of uh, difference between those two. And it is really unfortunate. Gasly is a driver that you would love to see, you know, similar to Bottas at the beginning of the season. They're, they're putting in those best-of-the-rest performances and kind of closing that gap but they're you know their second driver Sonoda hasn't really been able to capitalize on on much of his performances he had you know a really brutal ending to a race in Canada and uh, just kind of an anonymous weekend driver you know they they kind of just hang out 
out a little bit outside of the points or lower and um, never really in the mix anymore, which is unfortunate to see. Yeah, I, I agree with that anonymous thing. I think he you don't really, you know, we hear about Latifi because he's Latifi and him being at the back and stuff. And some of the ones, if you have a driver that kind of stands out that finishes because we have DNF or something, you hear about him. But like, you'd never hear anything about Snowda. Yeah. Whether he does good or bad, which I know good is maybe towards the top 10, but like, you just don't, he just kind of like, starts the weekend out and I think they have higher expectations for him and he just kind of falls into this, you know, average place and doesn't really do anything and we don't see or hear much from him. Yeah, where we do hear about Sonoda is when Helmut Marco has a really hot take to put out about his drivers saying that Gasly and Sonoda are on equal terms now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that was a wild and and the comments he made uh early this week too about like Sonoda, you know, his only issue is that he like Basically, like, basically said that he curses on the radio, and that's like his problem is that like when he's wasting time cursing on the radio, like he's not focused on driving, and that's why he's like not a complete driver, which yeah. just makes no sense at all. As if, as if their lead driver on the Red Bull team probably doesn't say the most curse words of anybody yeah. on the grid during a race. Yeah, I think Helmut Marco might be a little out of touch, but you know. Well, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Let's let's move up the order a little bit to Haas, and uh, I think not a terribly disappointing but just not a consistent team this year they've had a lot of really great performances where they're going double points they went back-to-back weekends of double points and then other than that they just kind of you know been been finishing 11th to 15th not really in the mix here and there we'll see a Magnuson points finish and you know it's good to see them actually being able to be in the points and being able to show up uh, every weekend or you know most weekends to to fight for some points and yeah hopefully that their new package both drivers will get and they'll be able to figure it out and take a take a bit of a step forward but um i'd say a, a pretty i'd say deserving of the spot that they are in the championship right now yeah i would agree with that i think they're perfectly placed in the championship like in terms of how their season's gone uh like you said inconsistent definitely the big word there um i think their ceiling is you know, what we've seen, like where we saw in Bahrain where Magnuson finished P5 or we saw them double point to finish, like, what was it, P6 and P7 or whatever it was yeah. in Austria. I think they have that potential in the car and they definitely took a big step up from last year, right? Like, I think you, a lot of people have talked and you can make the argument that last year's Haas car, Mike, was one of, if not the worst car in 41 history. And I know a lot of people have talked about that being that bad, but, yeah, you know, no points, not even close to the points ever last year. Like going into this year, I think the fact that they are where they are is definitely a big step up. But I think they had, based on the car they have, if they were more consistent, I think they could be battling for the best of the rest, mm-hmm. just in terms of their best finishes where they've been. But I'd say definitely deserving of where they're at. Um, and in terms of the just how the drivers have done, I think you know we've seen Mick finally get those points this year, yeah, which is good to see. And I think overall he's definitely slowly adapted to the car a little better. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a rough start to the season, but I think he's kind of came on over the last couple of weeks and then uh Magnuson you know great start to the season I think he's kind of been a good leader for that team in terms of like having a veteran presence within the team yeah I think it was a good idea to bring him back and I think it surprised a lot of people that he got back brought back but definitely a good decision on their part yeah I think it definitely was a good decision and uh you know both the drivers are you know deserving of that mid-tier spot I think both of them have taken a little bit of a step forward this year and are starting to have weekends where they're flashing um, some really good drives, but hopefully they'll continue to be able to do that. And maybe the the package will start to meet some of their expectations and and fight for points again. 
but moving up again, we'll go on to Alfa Romeo and a team that I've I've liked this year, starting to you know become a little bit of a fan of Alfa Romeo, but you know just reliability is their worst enemy right now. Yeah, I think that's been their biggest struggle. I think again, I think another team where we look at similar to Haas, where they're kind of I think deserving of that six that sixth place in the constructors right now, and they've yeah. kind of locked themselves in there. Um, I think the the biggest addition obviously they made in the offseason was getting Bottas. I think yeah. he's been awesome this year. I think he's kind of proved to people that, you know, thought it was just the car at Mercedes that was giving him those performances and stuff, that like, he is a very good driver. And yeah. I think most of the time he's been able to maximize that that alpha. But I think the problem has been reliability, like you said, where I think Joe's had four or five DNFs and Bottas had three. Yeah. So I think as a team, they definitely had the most. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but in terms of, like, the success of the season when they've not had DNFs, been in the points, a couple double-point finishes. Yeah. Having Zoe as a rookie and having a lot of doubters come into the season, I think people thought there were several people that could have been more deserving of a seat from him, but I think he's earned that seat now, and he earned the contract extension that he got, and I think he's definitely starting to definitely settle into F1 now. Absolutely, and it seems like the team chemistry there is really good as well, and I think uh, Bottas is performing a little bit better than he might have been because he has that multi-year contract and uh, really starting to enjoy himself in the sport. But uh, overall, yeah, I think deserving of that kind of middle tier. I would like to see them coming in week in and week out and performing in the points or uh, being able to battle for the points. But we'll see where their season takes them. Uh, we'll move up to McLaren now. And I know you're you're a big McLaren fan. So what are your thoughts, Ben, so far? Definitely one of my kind of top disappointing teams of the season. I know that's kind of hard to say compared to the other teams. It's like they are in fifth and are battling for the best of the rest, which – um, going into the season, I didn't, I didn't think they were going to be fighting with, like for the for any like race wins or at the top. I didn't, I just don't think they're there yet. I, I thought there was going to be those three teams at the top, and that was going to be it. They're kind of going to be on that cusp, but I definitely thought they'd be a lot closer to that, based on how they did last year. I think last year, uh, you know, near the end, Ferrari picked it up, and I think they ended up getting P three in the constructors. But I think over the course of the year, McLaren was definitely had the third best car on the grid, and yeah. I think we saw that a lot of times, but. I mean, this year they definitely took a big step back in terms of the car performance. Um, still near the top of the midfield and definitely could still finish, you know, as the best of the rest of constructors. But I think they had hopes to kind of be battling for race wins and be up there. Uh, just just didn't get the car right. I know I saw a tweet from uh, someone F1 related in the news that basically did an interview with Zach Brown. He's like, we had other models of the car that were similar to the Red Bull and the Ferrari. And I don't know how much that's true, but like they scrapped them because they thought they were too wild basically. Yeah. Um, and so I think the car has not been friendly to them. They've, they've had good reliability, which has been good to see. They've, I think both uh, Ricardo and Norris only had one DNF mm-hmm. and Norris wasn't even reliability. It was cause he like hit Gasly in Miami. Yeah. Um, but I think Norris has definitely been the star of that team. Um, again, this year, I think he's just way outperformed Ricardo. Like we've talked about, just been on a different level and kind of like we talked about too he's kind of been in terms of the drivers that that next best guy right after those top three teams so overall disappointing season for them and I think you know promising for the future because they have Lando and the rumors of who they might get I think is a good young driver too but in terms of the team itself this year definitely a big step back yeah I think it's interesting to think about where they were after preseason testing in Bahrain and you know a team and a car that just looked like it couldn't figure itself out. I know they were dealing with a lot of cooling, brake issues at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And, 
not a lot of running or not a lot of fast pace running. Obviously, Ricardo had COVID during that stint as well. So uh, a really tough start to the season. And, it, you know, I'm personally surprised that they have been fighting at the front so much. I think the consistent points is what's keeping them at where they are right now. When you look at their battle between Alpine, I think Alpine can come in in a weekend and you can kind of bank on Alpine to to maybe fight a little bit closer to the front than McLaren have been. But I think they have taken a step forward recently and are starting to make that battle a little more interesting. So interesting to see where they're going. And obviously we'll talk about drivers in a little bit and get into how they've been doing. But for now, we'll move up to Mercedes and uh, a team that I think is just outperformed every expectation of them. Um, I guess I shouldn't say that. Expectation is... Uh, well, yeah. So I was going to say, I think kind of like off from McLaren take, I was comparing McLaren to uh, last year, like yeah. in terms of they took a step back compared to last year. Yeah, in terms yeah. of last year, Mercedes obviously has taken a step back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think in terms of the expectations of the team and what people knew about the car coming into the season after that testing in Bahrain yeah. and kind of where the car was at, you know, settled into that third spot, a big gap to Ferrari and Red Bull, not even close. Yeah. We saw that in the first race of the season. Obviously, they got the 3-4 the finish there, but that was just because of the due DNS from Red Bull. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they've definitely, like you said, I think they've exceeded expectations for the season. Yeah, um, They've been so consistent. No DNS at all other than George's one, but I mean, that was the first lap incident. It wasn't a car issue. Yeah, They've had no issues at all with the car in any way whatsoever the whole season. Porpoising? Well, porpoising, but I mean, like, in terms of reliability issues. Yes. They've obviously had porpoising. That's been their biggest, like, downfall at the beginning of the season, but they seem to have figured that out. And like we've touched on in the last couple of races, you know, you have Lewis getting five podiums in a row. You're starting to see them, in my opinion, they've closed that gap to pretty much the top two teams. I think there's a little bit of pace there over one lap that can be extracted still to match those. Um, but in terms of, like, race pace, race strategy, and everything that goes into it, like, they're right there at second with Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, you know, they don't have the pace to give up with Max right now, but Ferrari and everyone else in the field, they fight their way through the field now if they qualify low. Like, they have great strategy. Um, Lewis is kind of back on form and comfortable with the car. So I think, especially the second half of the second half, the second quarter of the season, I guess you'd call it, they've probably been the most outstanding team yeah. um, in terms of like exceeding expectations and. They've outscored Ferrari in the last, whatever, six, seven races mm-hmm. in total points. Um, I know we talked about Lewis being the second highest scorer of points behind Max since, I think, Baku. So I think they've definitely exceeded expectations for the season itself, given where the car was at. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, starting the season not on the right foot at all. And then Hamilton having to kind of experiment, it seemed like, the first few weekends. And uh, now that he's able to to just use the car that he's got under him and uh, – both of them really are putting in great performances, and I think you know it, it won't take much time at all for them to 100% close that gap to the top two teams, and we'll start to see um, some potential wins, some potential you know double podium finishes again, and I'm expecting a very good close out of the season from them. Yeah, I agree. So uh, we would jump to Ferrari, but we definitely 110% missed Alpine when we were going through that discussion. Sure did. From McLaren to Mercedes, so. To dip back down to fourth in the standings, which is Alpine, just so you guys don't all think we don't know the standings. Um, Alpine is in fourth. In terms of Alpine, in terms of outside the track drama, the most tumultuous season of anybody? Yeah. Um, so I would say bad in that regard. 
in terms of just pace and their performance this season, I would say one of the better teams of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anyone expects them to fight for race wins. I don't think they did either. No. Uh, but they've definitely gotten their way to the front of that midfield and to the best of the rest, and I think they probably have the fourth-best car right now. Yeah. Um, Alonzo and O'Connor are consistently putting in double-points finishes. Um, nothing spectacular. You get those trolley qualifying things from Alonzo where he puts it in P2 or something stupid and just ruins race for everybody else. But in the end, like he's still putting it in the points – um, Ocon, I think, has been the quietest point driver of the season. He's like constantly like P eight, and yeah. we just don't hear anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get into this later, but he's you know battling Lando for kind of that best of the rest driver, which is wild to think about. Um, but in terms of on the track, the racing definitely, I think, have exceeded my expectations for the season. Yeah, I'd say so as well. I think they're both driving to fit that role, fit that gap in each race, and I think they are you know, pulling in six, seven, eight, nine point finishes every weekend. And, you know, something that's keeping that team up in that fight for the best of the rest and something that uh, will probably get them to the end of the season very close to McLaren as well. Um, I don't think that gap to Mercedes is going to be closed, but it is interesting to think about the difference in kind of car setups. I think Alpine has consistently had the fastest straight line speed at a lot of weekends that we've seen. Oh, for sure. And, uh, you know, that's really helping them, really helping Alonzo, especially in those qualifying sessions. But I uh, would love to see them kind of fight a little bit f- more forward uh, during the race and, and maybe a little bit more directly with McLaren. I think the drivers in McLaren are kind of split between, you know, obviously Norris kind of a, uh, finishing consistently ahead of the Alpines and then Ricardo consistently behind the Williams. But uh, it, it's an interesting gap yeah. there and they're consistently bringing that home and it's really helping them uh it will be interesting to see where they go with the rest of the season for sure yeah i agree i think um like you said i think i'd love to see them fight it more between both the teams i think we're seeing lando outperform mclaren and put it up there and then he's kind of in his own race and then there's a big gap to like the alpines and that big gap to ricardo so you're not really seeing them interact exactly other than the alpines themselves yeah i mean some drama between the two of them but very spicy i think you know, in terms of the season itself, and like I think we, I would love to see them kind of take that step beyond qualifying. We've seen Ocon qualify good, and we've seen Alonso have these really weird qualifiers where he's like in the top three, mm-hmm. but then he just has no race pace at all. And I think that's the thing we're missing. Like we touched on, is even even when they start ahead of when you have a weird qualifying and you have Alonso ahead of I don't know maybe like Lewis and Perez or something like that. Like there's just no fight at all in those Alpines. Yeah. In terms of racing, like they're not racy at all. Like they're just, they get passed right away and like they settle into eighth and ninth and like that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And they just hold that position. Yeah. It's been interesting to watch them. I think not a ton to watch another kind of, not necessarily anonymous because they are sitting P4 in the championship and are in a really good battle with McLaren, but it's never the, the direct battles unless it's between the two, which is an interesting point. All right. Let's jump up to Ferrari, which is, uh, just a rough beginning of the season. Obviously, took a big step forward in the off season coming into to this season. Car, beautiful. Expected a lot from it. One of the first cars to be like actually released, you know, picture wise when they yeah. actually did their thing. It was the car that they were racing, and there was a lot of talk about. There's no need to change this. There's no need to come with upgrades because this is the car, and. It, it is the car. It has been the car. It hasn't been used like it's been the car, though. And that's, I think, their biggest downfall. Yeah, I mean, it's 
they always show the like the technical analysis of like what car is the best on pace or one lap based on qualifying times and a whole bunch of other factors. But I'd stay on on paper, and if you just watch them, they still have the best car probably on the grid. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just don't. They just have such bad strategy and have just had some bad luck too, and just have not capitalized at all. They started so strong. I mean, I after the third race, I thought they're running away with this. Like this isn't going to be close. Leclerc's going to win this championship with like seven races left or something ridiculous yeah. like it's not even going to be an issue and then they've just been a, a dud since then they've been worse than mercedes for the past five races mm-hmm. um they've looked like you know they look great in qualifying so they're still qualifying and putting on pole a lot and stuff but then just no race pace or in most cases just totally bungling the strategy yeah um usually with the claire which is tough to see because he's in the he was fighting for the championship and now really isn't. And yeah. they've lost so many points. I think I saw a thing that like, um, obviously the DNS, you can't really count. Cause like, that's just going to happen. But like in terms of race strategy, it's like, I don't know, 50, 60 points. He's potentially lost just yeah. based on them messing things up. So it's been, I think compared to last year, a big step up, but compared to our expectations, it's kind of flipped me from Mercedes. Their yeah. evaluation is like compared to last year to step up, like in terms of our expectations, like they've done terrible this yeah. year. Like, they should be fighting for race wins every week, and it's just not the case. They just can't match the Red Bull yeah. in race pace. And in strategy, they're nowhere to be found. Yeah, I, I mean, you come off a 1-2 in your first race, there's going to be a lot expected from you, especially with the gap that we saw, obviously, before the safety cars in that first race. But uh, a team that everybody has expected a ton from and, yeah, fallen behind. And, you know, we'll get into a couple predictions and questions that we have from uh, – the beginning half of the season and, and going forward and maybe discuss that a little bit more but for now we'll move up to Red Bull and uh, obviously a team that I think consistent from last year just week in week out putting in very good performances they haven't had a lot of drama um, second driver is a little less questionable than it has been in the past few years I think Perez has been a little more consistent and uh, that's definitely helped them in the constructors championship pull away a little bit and obviously, Max is outperforming everybody right now. Yeah, I mean, I would say in terms of just car driver combination, he's the best on the grid. I think there's, there's he's pretty much untouchable every weekend, no mm-hmm. matter what place he starts in. He just looks better than everybody out there. Yeah, um, their car has just been so good. Other than this couple of DNS at the beginning, they've just been so consistent and had so much speed and so good in the races. And I think you know, even they've kind of exceeded my expectations because even I thought. Uh, I kind of thought last year was kind of an anomaly where like they just got it right last year and took a big step up and had this car that matched Mercedes. And I thought going into this year, before the ex- before stuff came out, I thought it would be Ferrari and Mercedes. We'd be seeing this battle and Red Bull would kind of be that third team. And I think a lot of people thought that too. But as soon as we saw the car at the beginning, I think had those high expectations, even though they both had DNFs and they've kind of exceeded them. I mean, Max has more points than he did at this point last year through the yeah. same number of races and, has an 80-point championship lead, and I think last year he was down by two or whatever at this point. So um, overall for the team, yeah, like you said, Perez has kind of solidified himself more as that number two driver and been more consistent. So I mean, pretty much all positives for them yeah. uh, so far through the season. I mean, I don't. There's just not much to say other than like it's. We talk about him every week, and it's it's hard to like say anything negative. But they just usually have a great weekend every weekend. Yeah, and obviously deserving of that first spot, and obviously Max's as well. Um, I think probably expect a little bit more out of Perez. I don't know. You know, he ha- he has had a lot of reliability at the beginning of the season, especially. But 
um, would like to see him maybe continuing to fight within those top four, top five yeah. uh, each weekend. But with that, you know, going over the first half of the season obviously is going to impact our predictions and expectations for the second half of the season. And uh, we got a few questions here that we're going to go through um, relating to the second half of the season and then uh, maybe go over full lineup predictions for next year, which will be a pretty interesting way to end out the episode today. So we'll start off with who our world championship driver is. And obviously coming off of that Red Bull discussion, I think we're both on the max train there. Yeah, it's, I don't see how he's not going to win with an 80-point lead. Uh, this just feels very similar to, uh, with the exception of last year, just Hamilton in 2014 through 2020, basically, where kind of at that summer break point halfway through the season, no matter how big that gap really was, it was big enough to where you're like, he's not going to squander that many points, mm-hmm. um, especially this. I mean, Max could DNF three races in a row, and Leclerc could win all three with the fastest lap, and he would still be first in the championship. So yeah. I think just with there only being nine races left, he'd have to lose whatever that, like, you know, nine points a race basically yeah. to Leclerc. So that would be like the difference of, uh, like, basically first to third. So yeah. I guess if Leclerc won every race, Max, but that's just not going to happen. Like, Max is not going to not win any more races this season. Like, yeah. And it's not like we've seen them take a big step backward. And it's not like, you know, Ferrari is going to be taking a big step forward. No. No, no recent trend is showing that that's going to change at all. So I think a pretty consistent uh, rest of the season for Max and, you know, wraps it up with quite a few races yeah. left. And I think it'll be interesting to see, which is, is wild to think about because I didn't realize this. He already has eight wins this year, yeah. and there's nine races left. And just based how their form is going, if, you know, and we'll talk get into it, I think Merck will eventually get up there and challenge them, which isn't going to affect his championship but could affect the number of wins. But I don't know what their record is. I want to say it's like 13 or 14, like, wins in a season for a single driver. I think it was Vettel and – one of Vettel's years, I think he had 13 wins, and I think that's, like, the record for a season for one driver. Like, he could break that for this season, which is wild to think about. With nine yeah. races left, and he has eight wins already. Like, I could – based on how things are going, if they if he won seven of the last nine races, like, that wouldn't surprise me if he won seven of the last nine. Yeah, I think a lot of dominance and a lot of expected continued dominance, that'll definitely serve up some uh, records on a platter for him to, yeah. to start surpassing. Yeah. But, yeah, with that discussion of, of maybe some Mercedes – Stepping forward, let's get into P2 and P3 potentially in the standings. And I'll, I'll start off. I have George Russell in second and Leclerc coming in in third. I think I might not hit on the Russell, but I think it'll be a Mercedes driver. I could, I can't like disagree with that, right? Like, so for me, I have Leclerc second and Hamilton third, but I agree with you. I do think there will be one Mercedes driver for sure in that t- two or three position. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think I'm, or I'm hoping, I guess that Ferrari like just gets together and challenges Max more, and then we could see them fight for the championship more. Yeah, and that's why Leclerc finished in second, and he does have a, I think a thirty point gap to Hamilton right now. Um, th- but to me, like I, I agree with you. I think it could be either of the Mercedes drivers that's in the top, uh, in P two and P three, and I could also see, and I think you probably could agree with this too. Like if they pick up that much, like we could see Russell Hamilton or Hamilton Russell. Finish in 2-3, and there's no Ferrari in the top three at all. Yeah, it depends on where Ferrari goes. I think it'll be interesting, and an interesting point to actually think about. Leclerc, you think about last year, great driver, obviously, the driver one of the team. But when he's not in that front battle, we haven't seen the excellence that we've seen from him this year in any prior years. And that's not necessarily because he's fighting at the front and has the car to do it, but it's because he's in that battle. And I think the pressure is 
helping him in a lot of regards. And so I think, you know, Max starts to run away with the championship and he's going to be a little bit down on his luck. I think there's an easy slip for him to fall. And especially with Mercedes coming up, taking advantage of that. Um, I see that for a, a definite potential for the rest of the season. Yeah, that's a good point. I agree with that about Leclerc that, you know, when he's in that best car, he kind of puts in those performances, but kind of in his entire, you know, career in F1 and up to now, I think that the biggest like concern could be like when he does fall back, like it, it just doesn't have that same pop to his driving performances. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even when he's up front, I think the most interesting thing to look at is, like, I think him and Max have the same number of pulls now. And Leclerc has, like, what, like, eight wins and Max has, like, 28 or whatever it is. Yeah. So, like, in terms of capitalizing the race, like, I think I think you could argue Leclerc probably still is the best qualifier this season. And I would bet on him every week to get pulls still. But yeah. in the race, he just doesn't seem to have it as much. So And it's not always him, right? No. The team... You know, no, but it's all contributes to it, like at all. Definitely, regardless of it's him or the team, like in terms of like just predicting he's going to finish in the standings, like yeah, that's why I think both of us see one Mercedes getting in there, if not both. Yeah, I think the the step that Mercedes is taking forward and the recent trends that we've seen, that's you know that wouldn't even be considered a hot take based on the last no. five races. No, so interesting there. I guess we'll mo- move into constructors here. Obviously, I think we're both on Red Bull and yeah, um, this is. I mean, pretty good really season. not even worth discussing. It's so, like, they've locked. I, I don't know what it is. It's 100-something points, I think, Yeah. if not more. Like we've talked about before, this is the same thing as Mercedes from 2014 to 2020, where mm-hmm. they're just so far ahead. Other than last year, and I still think they beat Red Bull by, like, 50, 60 points last year um, just because of that difference between, like, Bottas and Perez for 2-3 yeah. but or for 3-4. But this is just one of those things where there's – Maybe Leclerc somehow miraculously makes up the 80 to Verstappen, but like, there's just no way they're making up the 100 something points. I think it's like 120. They'll need a lot and of reliability. Standing. They would need the Red Bull to just completely fall fail apart. and fall apart the rest of the season. Yeah. So um, maybe so. we jump to two and three and yeah. have a little bit more of yeah. a discussion. And yeah. I think, you know, it looks like we both agree here. Mercedes Ferrari, based on what we yeah. what we discussed earlier. Yeah, I think Mercedes too. I I would almost like. I think it's going to be close between the two of them just because of where they're at now. Mercedes being 30 points back, but it's only 30 points, which is shocking to me to see. Like every time I see it, that based on where they started the season, if you would have told me at the start of break, Mercedes would be 30 points behind Ferrari only Yeah. for P2 in the standings. But I think it's, you could almost say it's a, like the way they're trending, like it's a lock that Mercedes finished P2 because like yeah. they're outscoring Ferrari, you know, on average by at least six, seven points a race and you got nine races left. Like, it's hard to overlook the just amazing pace that the Ferrari car has. Yeah. So, you know, it is hard to, like, when you sit down and write it out, that seems like a really hot take. Yeah. And then you look at recent recent performances, and it's like, A, it looks like it's locked. And B, you think to yourself, how have Ferrari really bungled it this bad? question that a lot of people have posed, and I definitely think it's worth discussing, and I we have the same opinion on this, and I think most people do. So if Mercedes had the Ferrari car, so don't even, like, you don't even have to, it, it could be the same drivers. Like, you could take Leclerc and Sainz and f- swap them for Hamilton and Russell. Yeah. If the Mercedes team, so if you took, I guess the better way of saying this, if you took Toto and all the boys and moved them, put them in Ferrari gear, and they're in charge of Ferrari, the pit crew, everything, are they in first place? If you have the strategy and development of Mercedes, 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's, all you're flipping is the cars. So yeah. however you want to do it, either Mercedes people go to Ferrari or the Ferrari car comes from Mercedes. Yep. Are they with that car or that team in first? 100%. Yeah, I agree. It's not even close. I think one of the two – I don't know which driver it was. What would it be between the two Mercedes? I think we'd see more drama between them then because there would be fighting for a win But Definitely. every week. But I think it would be – in terms of the constructors, it wouldn't even be close. Like it would be – we'd be talking about Mercedes – or Ferrari, like we're talking about Red Bull mm-hmm. right now, like with this huge gap and everything, because they clearly have had the best car all season, and somehow they're down 80 points to the constructors. Mercedes just seems to be able to maximize what they have, and I think that would make it to, it'd be kind of a repeat of 2020, in my opinion. They would be able to maximize on the early reliability issues of Red Bull and kind of take over that top spot. Yeah, it's just a totally different... And you can kind of look back on this in like terms of just obviously Mercedes have had this dominant run in terms of being the best constructor, but it really is impressive. Like when you think about it, like broader scope, like if like we're saying like, oh, if you just swapped the cars from these two teams, like Mercedes like would be that much farther ahead. Yeah. But like I don't think anybody would disagree with that take. Like that it's just there's just that big of a difference between the teams and the gap. So I mean, it's not small, right? But the gap to Red Bull from them is a first four or five races where they really struggled to get big points finishes. Yeah. And obviously, you know, three, four is not, not big points finishes, but yeah, you know, they, they don't struggle in that first stretch of, of races and they're up there easily. Yeah. I, yeah, like you said, I think you can argue that where if Mercedes was on the form, they've been on the last five races for the whole season would would they be in first? No, Red Bull would still be in first, but like we would see the gap might be, I don't know, 25, 30 points between Red Bull and Mercedes for that constructors. Much more. And you'd probably see either George or Lewis or both of them probably in that P2 and P3 spot right now and probably within striking distance of Max still for the rest of the season. So yeah, I think everyone should have the same answer to this. Like if you don't, you aren't watching. Like that's, it's just so contrasting in terms of the, strategy and everything that goes into it between Ferrari and Merck. So with that question here, does Bonotto get sacked at the end of the season? So I'm going to say no to this. Um, I just think he's too ingrained with Ferrari and like too much of like the face of Ferrari right now in terms of like the team principal role. And he kind of has, I think he's partially like part CEO. If I'm, I might be wrong in that, but like he's has some relations like management basically at the team beyond just team principal. So I think they're going to give him another chance because they have finally got the car. I think they would give him another year to prove that. But Yeah, I think I'll maybe switch it up a little bit. and I'll say yeah. I think he uh, obviously runs the team well. You know, inner workings of the team are not really felt as much or seen as much. So I uh, can't speak on that point. But with the kind of expectations of Ferrari, I, th- I feel like an external force might be expecting a change there. So... I'll say yes. I don't know if it'll happen, but um, could be interesting. Yeah, I think so. All right, so I guess kind of moving into our next couple set of predictions here. So best of the rest driver and constructor. Um, so for me, I think the best of the rest driver, I think it's going to be Lando. Uh, I think he has like a 19 or 18-point gap or something like that to Ocon right now. Um, and my reasoning for that is, one, I think he's – proven he's i think he's performed best of the rest in terms of the drivers this year yeah the car he's had uh even getting that podium in in emola but just in terms of the points that are left like 
you know, them and the Alpines are really duking it out for seven through 10. Mm-hmm. And so the most points one of them might gain on each other is two or four points, one yeah. point maybe. And with nine races left and him being up almost 20 points, I don't see, unless the McLaren starts to have reliability issues, like I don't see him not being consistent and keep putting it in P7, P8. So I think he'll finish just ahead of Ocon in P8 and P7. Yeah. It, it, you know, brings back the question that we talked about earlier of chaotic races. And if there is a chaotic race, who's going to be the one to put it up front and, and gain on their yeah. lead? And I think that would be Lando. Yeah, for sure. So I, I'll agree with you there. And I'll go one step further and say McLaren will close that, uh, close the season in, in that fourth position. Yeah, I, I have Alpine just because of the way their cars come on. But I don't – it could be either one of them, honestly. If they come up with good upgrades after the summer break and McLaren does. And like you said, I don't see the Alpines being that team to capitalize on something like that. I don't like yeah. – I just can't picture in my head. I know we had it with Ocon, but it was like ten cars that did it. But I just can't picture like, a like a wet qualifying happening or like some kind of crazy race happening, and Esteban Ocon, unless it's a place like Hungary where you can't pass. I can't see him at, you know, Brazil holding off, yeah. Lando. Like I would just pick Lando in that fight, and so like, I could see Lando, you know, hauling in eighteen, twenty-five points in a single weekend. Yeah, but that's the season kind of putting that away. So. Would you change your opinion on that P4 standings if I bring up the fact of the crazy drama that's going on at Alpine right now? Do you think they'll be able to close the season consistently I, with Alonso you know, still in that car? Yeah, because when we, I guess when we made these, like I, it was kind of, it was around that time, I guess. But now that I think about it, yeah, maybe I do change that to McLaren because of maybe they just there's such bad blood between Alonzo and Alpine that yeah. like there's just nothing from the rest of the season. You just have strife between the team. Yeah, I feel like, t- you know, team orders at this point cannot go well. Alonzo's no. got nothing to abide for. No. You know? He could so. just he could just say, screw it, I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah, I could see some, I could see two races of contact between those two. Between him, actually, yeah, between him and Ocon, I yeah. could see them crashing each other out. Similar to what Perez and Ocon had in the racing point. Or Ricardo and Max. Or Ricardo and Max, yeah. kind of the same thing. Yeah, it'd be interesting to watch going forward. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of Alonso, why don't we go into our surprise race winners uh, for the season? So, for this kind of, basically, you could pick from anyone that was below the top three teams, right? So, anyone outside of Red Bull, Mercedes, and Ferrari could be chosen for this. So, why don't you start? Yeah. So, obviously, you know, transition here because of Alonso. I'm going to go with Alonso. And I think a couple of reasons for that. I think, A, his qualifying performances just get them up there in the mix to start off races and I think you know it takes one chaotic race for the top four top six uh to be you know out of the obviously you're going to have one or two that qualify out of position and then you get one contact between the two or you know something that that spices up the race a little bit like we've seen a lot last year I can see Alonzo having the motivation to go for it and kind of do whatever necessary and I think uh if anybody was to do it he would be kind of in the optimal position for that. Yeah, I think kind of like we talked about before, kind of for my prediction too, same thing. I think I have Lando, but I think for the same reason where he, like we talked about, to kind of pick up the pieces, like who's going to be there, who do I trust to be there in qualifying, and similar to Alonso because he's had those great qualifying performances. But then in the race too, like who do I trust to put that performance in, in the race? Because although it's not been a ton, you know, he had that in Sochi last year, and obviously the tough ending with the rain and stuff and the call he mm-hmm. made, but – he did lead that whole race and he kept everyone back and like he's had experience, you know, leading the whole grid for most of a race. And as obviously Alonzo has too, but I just think in terms of the race performances this year, I would, I would count on Lando to be able to capitalize on that. 
Yeah, I think the one thing, you know, Lando is such a consistent driver, and I think he will be there to pick up a lot of the pieces. I think Alonso has the opportunity for that one great weekend where he puts it up in, you know, P2, P3 or whatever yeah. in qualifying, and then just has so much motivation to give a big FU to Alpine and, and finish off. <laughs> yeah, in for first. sure. So for sure. That's what I'm basing that one off of. But uh, I guess let's jump down to maybe most eventful race and maybe what race do we see something like that happening in or or just being a really good race to watch. Yeah, so for me, um, normally I'd go with one of the ones that is kind of more of a staple in F1, like yeah, Brazil or Spa or one of the ones that people – it's typically a good race and good race watching, but – uh, I think it's going to be Singapore. I think it's going to be one we kind of least expect, but at the same time could most expect this one because, you know, first time back on the calendar since 2019 because of COVID. Yeah. Uh, one of, if not the most technical track on the calendar, mm-hmm. very tight street circuit, um, but passes and stuff can be made, but it's not super easy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the scenes around the race, just in general, kind of off topic of being eventful, like with the fireworks and it being at night and the lights and everything is awesome. But I think... It is a place that you could, there's always a big threat of rain and you could have like a monsoon in Singapore. Yeah. And so I think if we have a super wet race and you have tight walls and tight turns and very technical track and a street circuit, you could have a lot of safety cars then and a lot of chaos. Yeah, that's fair. Could I could definitely see that becoming chaotic very quickly. Um, I think I'm going to go with Brazil here. And I think, I guess not so much the chaos of a race, but for like just a just really good, good race. Yeah. Absolutely love the track. I think, you know, great overtaking opportunities, a lot of technical sections in there. And I think uh, a race that Hamilton will obviously be very motivated for and uh, a race that I could see him closing that gap to the front and, you know, potentially putting in um, a first place for the season. Yeah. Um, I, for me, it's my favorite track on the calendar. Uh, always an awesome race. I, last year, prime example without Hamilton making up 25 places yeah. over the course of the weekend. But I think that um, can kind of lead into, before we get in our least eventful, as you mentioned it, you know, does do we think Lewis wins a race this year? Yeah. Obviously, for those of you guys that don't know, he has been in F1 for this is sixth, or 17th season, and he's won a race in all 16 seasons, so which is the longest streak ever yeah. by a driver. Uh, so he already broke that, but will he keep it alive this year? And I think that kind of piggybacks off of your most eventful race yeah and for this one i went with yes and brazil and i think it, it's a very well poised track for him to uh, he's a citizen put too. that in he is yeah yeah he's a, it's a home race Sir. a second home race yeah he's the only driver with two home races literally actually two home races yeah 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 literally literally two home, two home races, home races. Yeah. but i i agree with you i think it could be brazil i had yes as well i think the biggest thing is that we both have yes uh, and I think he they, that car will get to the point where he can get one. Mm-hmm. Um, Abu Dhabi, I think it'll be the last one of the year. Um, I told you about this. My reason behind this is Max will have the championship wrapped up by then. Um, there won't be that battle. I think. I think whoever's in P two, I think we're going to see them pull away a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. So I think Merck will have that locked up again by P two, and you're going to see kind of everyone kind of chill out, kind of similar to 2020 Abu Dhabi when Hamilton already had the title wrapped up and we saw Max win. Yeah. I think mean, could see that where. You have a weekend where maybe Red Bull decides, hey, we're going to try some new stuff out on the car that could apply to next year. Mm-hmm. Just do some different things, whatever. And you're not going to see Max, I think, as locked in because it's just not going to matter for anything. Yeah. Then we could see him win there. But That's very fair. I think there's, there's a lot to prove at that track for him, too, yes. after last year. So yes. that would be very uh, very interesting rebound after the last Yes, it would be very interesting. Or it would be, I mean, who knows if, if Red Bull 
falls apart the rest of the season, and we go into the last race, and it's Max and Lewis again. Do we see? Well, they got to call it the other year? way. They right? got to call it the other way, right? But I, I think Max will have it wrapped up by then. I think it'll have his yeah. first non Mickey Mouse championship wrapped up by then. But yeah. it will be. I think it, that's where Lewis is going to win uh, the thing. But going back to races, I think the least eventful for me in this. Kind of piggybacks off last year, and just in terms of the track itself, I'm just gonna, unfortunately going to go with Austin. Yeah. Um, I would love for the American race to be more exciting, but it just seems like it's never really an exciting race, and I just feel like it's going to be a race that like Max will just win by 45 seconds, and it, it'll be whatever. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I think Austin is a track that has had a lot of you know low tier races, um, just kind of boring. You know, watching cars go around, not a ton of overtaking. I think. That corner one is a lot of fun to watch, but yeah. outside of that, it, it is a little bit just dry. here and there. It's a little yeah. dry, yeah. I actually had the the opportunity to go to the track uh, this summer, and I thought it was really interesting. That that turn one is a huge Yeah, you hill. said it was like really steep compared Very. to like what it looks like on TV. It doesn't look too bad on TV, but when you're there, it's literally pit end, and then it starts the hill, and it feels like it just goes up, like straight up. And from the main grandstands, it's it's just a very impressive look down to turn one. And I think, uh, you know, that's where all the action happens. And I love watching that. I think it'd be a very fun race to watch uh, from that point of view. But uh, for me, I, I think I'm going to have to go with Monza. And, you know, nothing against the track. I just think it's typically a pretty standard race. Yeah. You know, not a ton of action. Um, yeah, I think... I think in general I agree with you. I think it's I think it's a very historic one and I think people like it. And I don't I don't think it's bad racing there ever. Definitely. Because they it is the fastest track of the season because you have such long straights and there's everyone can pass in the DRS things and you know, obviously that contradicts you had Gasly winning in twenty twenty and then that crash between Lewis and Max last year and mm-hmm. Ricardo winning. But I think overall in terms of the race, obviously we had a wild standings last year, but there really wasn't any chaos. Like yeah. whatever they started and qualified in, like Ricardo qualified high and like could go in the sprint race and like they just kind of stuck to like i remember max couldn't get past ricardo like ricardo was p2 max was p1 ricardo got him to the end of the first turn and then yeah never just held him at bay never held him at bay the whole time so i agree i think it's just kind of a dull race usually yeah and we'll see I, obviously there there is opportunity for a lot of chaos and especially into that first corner and chicane there but um i think out of all the races i think that has the highest opportunity as being just a, a pretty flat line race. So Yeah. Um, so why don't we go ahead and finish up here with our lineup predictions and then kind of our who's going to win the driver battles for this year. Um, so I'll start by just kind of running through the lineups that, you know, we're not really going to discuss that are staying the same. Um, so obviously Red Bull, Max and Checo staying the same. And I think we both have Max, you know, locking up that driver battle for this year, at least in terms of who had the most points. Pretty cleanly. Um Mercedes, I think the lineup's going to be the same. You're going to have George and Hamilton again, unless Lewis surprisingly retires or something, but I don't see that happening. No. Um, in terms of the driver battle, though, who do you think finishes on top between those two? I think I'm going to go with George. I think he's starting to settle into the team, although Hamilton is outperforming him recently. I think uh, he might start to take a step forward. I, I don't know um, how much of a team role he's playing right now, as opposed to like you know what he really could be putting in yeah uh, i think you know just an interesting thought but 
uh, I have him in the P2 or for the standing, so I think I yeah. got to go with him winning That's for fair. this year. Yeah, I could see either one of them. I have Hamilton just because I think he's turned it on so much his last couple of races where yeah. I think he's back block, like locked in. And I think going forward, too, I think unless, like I said, unless he suddenly retires or something, I think if Merck, if Merck had the car right now or if they get the car fixed going into next year and they're back at the top of the – in terms of, like, performance, he's in that – driver thing now like kind of how he was like in 2019 2018 and like all those dominant years he had where he's just an absolute menace on the track and completely locked in and looks untouchable so i think definitely that's why i have him ahead but i could see either one of them yeah i think now that he's done doing the work for the team where he's been you know trying some different setups and stuff he's now back to you know just performing week in and week out and i think he has a lot to prove after last year uh, both to himself and to a lot of people, so I, I could also see that, yeah. Yeah, so going through the rest of the lineups, next year, locked in for the next couple of years, is Leclerc and Science. We both have Leclerc, I think, winning that driver battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's just been a – when they both finished races and not the strategy has been messed up by Ferrari, they've, Leclerc's kind of been the better of the two in terms of pure form and yeah. just pure race. But um, going through the rest, uh, Alpine. So this is, I think, our first one where we have a change. So Alonso gone for next year. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the driver battle, we both have Ocon winning. I think he's just been, he's too many points ahead of Alonso at this point for what they're fighting for, for Alonso to catch up. I think that's both of our rationale for that. But, yeah. um, in terms of the lineup for next year, um, I have Ricardo filling that seat. I think Ricardo just places back in with the Alpine formerly Renault team and kind of fits back in well there. And I think he'll be able to, I think him and Ocon will be more on par with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. I think I'm also with you there. I think Ricardo moves over. I think it might take a lot for McLaren to end that contract with him, and I think he's going to be really upset about that. But uh, I think he will end up over at Alpine in a, a team where he feels a little bit more at home. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so bouncing to the team now that Ricardo would be leaving, McLaren, based on all the rumors we've heard and kind of what we're seeing and stuff, I think we both feel that Piastri is going to get that seat. Yeah. Um, with him backing out of the Alpine one, I don't see why he would – take a seat as a reserve driver this year and i also don't see why he would go to williams because yeah that'd be taking a step back so i think he gets that mclaren that second mclaren seat and i know you do too um driver battle for mclaren lando that's it's not even close it's not even really worth discussing but yeah i think it's pretty locked up and obviously yeah if we're going with ricardo for alpine i yeah. think piastri has a lock on mclaren there yeah um alfa romeo uh joe just confirmed in the past couple of weeks that he's signed a contract extension bought us as we talked about before has a multi-year contract so uh they're both there locked in i think we both have bought us for that driver battle same thing just up too many points with what they were fighting for for the rest of the season to yeah. for zoe to make that up agreed i i really am excited to see Zoe maybe take that step forward. Yeah, and get a whole season of him being at that level because it definitely took him a little bit of time this year to kind of adjust and yeah, and hope, get to that place. Hopefully more more reliability yeah, next year sure. as well. Um, Haas, uh, so Magnussen is locked in for multiple years, so he's locked in for that, and we both have him for the drivers thing as well. Again, just fighting for so few points every weekend. Yeah. I don't see how Mick makes that gap up. In terms of the second driver, I have Mick. I think he'll prove enough during these last couple races for them to give him one more chance next year and then that'll be kind of the deciding year over the summer break i felt more and more like mick isn't going to stay at the team but then i think back to a who else are they going to go for i don't think there's a ton of options of that talent and i think b mick has the ability to put in a couple more performances that sell them and so i think you know maybe on an off week after 
a weekend where Mick puts in a really good performance, so go ahead and just announce that. But, uh, yeah, I will go with Mick. All right, so bouncing down to Alpha Tori. Uh, currently, we have Gasly and Sonoda there. I think we both think Gasly's going to win that out this year. I don't even know if either of them will score. They could both score zero points the rest of the year, potentially, but I think Gasly's up by enough where, again, yeah. it's not going to make up that difference. Uh, now, Bittner, cover your ears. It's going to be a tough one to hear, but I think we both think Sonoda is going to be replaced. Um, just from the talks and stuff we've heard, I know Helmut Marcos thinks he's on pace with Gasly, but uh, Helmut Marcos like that old guy that yells at clouds. Like, I don't really know how much say he actually has in the drivers in yeah. terms of I feel like that would be more within AlphaTauri itself to decide and more yeah. Christian Horner being involved in that. Um, reason four, I have Sonoda being you know put to the side is that I think he just hasn't made that step up this year and is just continues to make mistakes, make mistakes in qualifying and then not really capitalize in the race, even if he qualifies decently. Um, and so I have Iowasa replacing him. Yeah. I think, you know, rookie in F2, I think he's seventh right now in the standings, which is pretty impressive for a rookie. But I think he's kind of had, she's shown flashes in F2 that like he could put those stellar performances. And mm-hmm. I think in terms of like a driver academy or like the, secondary team right like that alpha is red bull i think they're looking for like hey what's a guy that has more potential right yeah and like you could argue that ayahuasca you know maybe he wouldn't be as consistent as Sonoda is but like maybe he has the potential to put in top 10 performances or has those sparks or whatever so that's why i'm going with him and he's already in that red bull junior driver program yeah a couple different points i, I don't think they see Sonoda as being able to take that step up to the top tier red bull team and i think they want that seat to be more of a kind of experimental for their younger drivers. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, because I don't think I, you know, I, it wouldn't shock me if Sonoda resigned because there's not a ton of great options, uh, especially within their drivers program. But um, if he does get resigned, uh, I think I'm going to go with Drogovic. And I say that because I think Red Bull is the kind of team to overlook their entire Junior Driving Academy to go hundred percent to go for talent. Yeah. I could I I just said it because he was already in there, but I couldn't agree with you more. Dragovic, you know, leading probably going to win the F two mm-hmm. this year has looked awesome all year. Uh, I could definitely see them being like, eh, like let's just bring him into the, the Alphatory team. Like we don't need to because they're just reckless with all their reserve drivers and yeah. academy drivers anyway. So I think it was interesting too, kind of building on that. When we were looking at potential drivers in F two that could take the spot. And looking at their like junior program, uh, they've had so many people like that I've heard of the names in F two that have been in their junior program that they just throw away after one year. Yeah. It is you know, it proves our point. Like when I was looking through the list, I'm like, geez, like they have so many people that they just gave like a half season or a full season shot and they weren't good enough and they just moved on. Yeah, I wonder what kind of turnover they have for a young driver academy. I gotta be unbelievable based I, on that i would be willing to bet that it's the highest among the teams oh yeah it's gotta be yeah um all right and then moving down to the last two teams aston martin i think we both have vettel winning that out this year yeah. um and then really no discussion about the lineup because alonzo's taking vettel's seat uh, i think it will be interesting to see the dynamic between alonzo and stroll it will be because uh, i can see vettel especially with this being his last year and just kind of the way he stepped in and kind of how he is as a person, not being confrontational really with that. Yeah. Whereas Alonso, I could see him being confrontational with Stroh and not being afraid to speak up to Lawrence even and be like, this is how it's going to be. I think it helps that him and Lawrence are already pretty good friends. And yeah, that's have, true. have that basis. So I think they're good. And I think Alonso will take on more of that, you know, father figure role for Stroll yeah. and, and try and teach him 
a little bit more and then also they'll have a little bit better of a car I'm expecting under them and be able to push a little bit more so I think that'll be a pretty solid lineup. I'm really hoping that that car can do a little more for them as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and going into Williams, uh, in terms of the driver battle, got to be Albon again. I He only has three points up on Latifi, but I don't think either of them will score any points the rest of the season. And if they do, it would be Albon, and I think that would score. And the only way this doesn't happen is if somehow there's a wild, wild race where Albon DNFs and somehow Latifi finishes seventh or something. Yeah. But if I had to bet, I would say Albon. Yeah, if Latifi um, wins this, it's on a one-off race that he yeah. gets higher than seventh. In the- yeah, exactly. Uh, regardless of what happens with Latifi, I think he's done. I think both of us think that. Where do you think he's going? Um, oh, yeah. So going back to our predictions, this kind of ties into this. What racing series do we think Latifi will go to after this? Because he's definitely done in Formula 1. Yeah. Um, so for those of you who don't know, he's done his time in Formula 2 already. So he's not going to go back to Formula 2. I could see him going, and this just plays into kind of my trash talking to you all year. Yeah. I could see him teaming up with Nico Hulkenberg's team yep. and joining the e-scooter series. Imagine seeing Nicholas Satifi running house in the e-scooter series, becoming the greatest e-scooter driver of all time. Unbelievable. As Nicholas Satifi. So I'm going to go the e-scooter series. That is one just head-on. Love to hear it. Oh, yeah. That would be incredible. I would, I would, I would watch, watch e-scooter all the time if Nicholas Tifa was just dominating e-scooter. 100%. Yeah, I know we talked about this a little bit more. I think uh, Formula E, IndyCar, maybe in the cards. Um, I think I would go with Formula E. Also, kind of could see him going back to F2. I think he's that kind of guy that would enjoy going back to F2 and just kind of stay in middle tier down there. I think that would actually be funnier than e-scooter if he went back to f2 and it was just like a mid f2 driver yeah. like he just finished like 10th or 11th every yeah. weekend in f2 because of how old he is too like it's just him and a bunch of kids basically in yeah. f2 like that would definitely be funny yeah um, so i also think maybe e1 could he join prez's boat racing team oh. like they already had the f1 connection just like start his own start his own boat racing team yeah um in terms of i think this is probably the most exciting driver replacement so who replaces him i think this is the one that's probably most up in the air you know, we heard Piastri possibly before, but I think that's more of a lock for McLaren. Um, I think, you know, the options we have left, I think there's two people, right, that most people consider. You yep. have Nick DeVries, yep. Formula E champion, Formula 2 champion from years past, or Logan Sargent, who's in F2 right now. So the reason this is exciting is because we could see Logan Sargent is American, so we could see an American back in the sport yep. for the first time in a while with a substantial role. I think we had a couple of fill-in drivers in the mid-2000s, but... Really nothing since, like, Mario Andretti is, like, really the last, like, substantial person we've had from America in the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you and I both agree that DeVries seems like the guy that will always just be on the cusp of F1 and never get in for some reason, which is unfortunate because I think he's a very good driver. But yeah. I think he'll always be a reserve driver. Um, like, so I'm going to go with Sargent here, and I think you are too. Yeah, I, I am going to go with Sargent. I think DeVries kind of fills the role that Fittipaldi has, but obviously for a higher team and – um, it does kind of suck for those guys because obviously there's a lot of talent. You know, he did really well in Formula E, so uh, it would be nice to see him get a chance, but I just don't know where that would be, and I don't think that he would outpace Sargent uh, in the running for that because, especially because the American market is booming so much, that would be a huge. It would be huge you know, to, to get Logan Sargent yeah. into into F1. Mm-hmm. So I guess that kind of wraps up our predictions for the second half of the season and kind of going into next year. Uh, so that's end of the summer break. We're officially back into race week now, actually. By the time you guys are hearing this, we'll be in race week. Yeah. Um, so have one of what is 
probably one of my top two tracks. I think I have probably Brazil one and Spa too, but we have Belgium coming up next. Yeah. Um, didn't get to see it last year because of the rain. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's a very fast track, the longest track in the calendar, I'm pretty sure, in terms of just distance. Um, and so this is the least number of laps. I think it's like 44 laps only. So yeah. uh, pretty insane, but I think it'll be a very exciting race. I think it'll be interesting to see what these teams bring in terms of upgrades. Like, does Mercedes close that gap? I know there have been talks that they said internally, like, by Belgium, will be there. Yeah. So will they be? Uh, what strategy blunders will Ferrari have this weekend? Yeah. I think there's a lot of exciting things going into it. What's the one thing that you're most excited to seeing? Um, for me, I think it's it's got to be where is the Mercedes at, right? Yeah. I think it's got to be that. I think that has to be the consensus number one for people because if they – have closed that two tenths gap to Ferrari and Red Bull, mm-hmm. and they can qualify to be on. Obviously, we saw George on pole in Hungary, but Hungary's kind of a more of a technical track. If on a track like Spa, if they can have that pace and be on the straights be that quick, mm-hmm. and we see three teams battling the rest of the season for race wins, like I think that's the most exciting part that we're going to look for. It's like where do they fit in? And I think they're going to be the biggest domino, I guess, for the rest of the season. Yeah. And affecting potentially affecting the ending results of the season is like how they perform. Yeah, I 100% agree. I was thinking the same thing. Uh, Going to be really excited to see, hopefully, potentially, probably a top six fighting for the win every race. Yeah, I mean, I think that's – and that'll be the first time in a while where we had three teams. You know, we had – Legally Merc- even further. <laughs> Legally even further, right? Because yeah. we had Merck Red Bull last year. Then we had – 2019. 2019, we had illegal Ferrari versus Merck, which was competitive. But, I mean, before 2014? Before, t- before 2010, because Red Bull was so good from 2010 to 2013. So it's really probably like the 2009 season or something, the last time yeah. we had a, when Braun won, the last time we had like yeah. a wild set of, you know, a large set of people fighting for the win. But I uh, hope you guys enjoy this episode. We will see you next week for the uh, for the spa recap. Yeah, and as always, let us know your thoughts. If you have any bold predictions, feel free to to send them out to us, and we're excited to recapping the next race here. See you in Belgium. Goodbye.